And, and I'm going to go ahead and have you stand because it was a go ahead, stand up. It was a great day for her because it was also her 28th birthday. So she won. You're welcome. Yes. Yes. So major brownie points, bro. That's how that rolls. That's, that's what you do. <laughs> Thank you. If you've got your Bibles, lift them up this morning. Repeat after me. See, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth, transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, you guys sound great this morning. We're in, in our second week on our series about fear. And uh, it's always interesting to me when, when we're going through a series or a message and to see the responses from people. Sometimes I can just see it in people's eyes. Sometimes it's people at the altar. But last week was unusual because I received a number of texts and emails from different people that were really impacted by that message and how much talking about fear resonated with us. And we talked about that social scientists tell us that 99% of us struggle with fear in some capacity. It's basically everyone. And so fear is a reality that we have to live with as Christians. But the difference is we can, we can live with it, but we, don't let it, we have to let it dominate us or dictate who we are. And so we're talking about how to overcome fear. Last week we talked about the fear of rejection. Today we're going to talk about the fear of failure. Look at 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. That's our scripture for this whole series. Here's what it says. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and he's given us a sound mind. That's who we are as God's kids. That's, that is our birthright. But when fear comes in and begins to dominate us, notice how interesting it is to me that he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear by itself. But God offsets that with a spirit of love and a, pow- a spirit of power and a sound mind because fear is an enemy. And fear, if left uncontrolled in your life, will dominate who you are. It will dictate what you do. It will dictate where you go. It will dictate what you say. Fear is a slave master. And it really is. And those of you that struggle with it know what I'm saying. It tells you don't get up this morning. It tells you don't go out the door. It tells you where to say yes and where to say no. It runs your life. And God has not given us that spirit, guys. That's not who we are. And so we as his people need to understand who we are and not allow that spirit to dominate us. Now, listen, the truth is I love to be known as the positive pastor. I love to have messages where you come in, you know, you love it. I love it when Sharnan leaves smiling. You know, that's my goal. I want us all to feel excited because I believe there's a reason the gospel is called the what? The good news. And good news is good news. But sometimes, in order to get to the good stuff, we got to deal with some of the bad stuff. For us to be able to to walk in the truth of who God has called us to be, there's some broken areas in our lives that we're going to have to deal with. Because we want dessert. But sometimes you've got to eat your broccoli. Come on, somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, eat your broccoli this morning. Go ahead. Yeah, turn to your second choice and say, dessert is coming. Go ahead. That's all right. We're going to get there too. But sometimes we have to do that. We have to deal with some things. And that's really, honestly, guys, that's what this series is about. It's helping us come face to face with our fear. Because we can run, but you can't hide from yourself. 
you got to deal with it, okay? So as the positive pastor in life, the one that wants to be positive every week, I'm going to tell you something I'm positive about. You will deal with failure in your life. You will positively fall on your face. There are going to be times in life that you will deal with failure. But listen, and I'm going to jump ahead of myself here. Failure is not just about you. Failure is just an event. Failure is going to happen. It's how you deal with it that dictates who you are and who God wants you to be. So here's the truth. Everyone fears failure. None of us like it. None of us want to be known as or have to deal with failure as a whole. But listen, it's almost impossible to go through life without experiencing failure in various ways. And people who tend to avoid failure at all costs may live so cautiously that they never do anything. If you allow failure to just grow in your life, it will dictate all these things and you will never really accomplish much. Because basically, what you can't control, you don't want to experience. And your, your ability to control things is really very small. And when fear lives in there, the more you allow it to dominate you, the more you want to control what goes on around you. And that's an impossibility. That's really an impossibility. So, how do we deal with it? What did Jesus say about it? Well, there's a story in Matthew chapter 25. And, and there was a man, and Jesus was teaching a parable. And he talked about, it's called the parable of the talents. But it's not really talent like we would think with talent, gifts of singing and those kind of things. But it's talking about money. It's talking about an investment of money. And so Jesus said, and he talks to us about this, there were three different people that received this investment. Just think of when I read the word talent, think of investment. There was three uh, servants that received an investment from their master. And each one of these servants was given the responsibility to, to help that investment grow, to do something steward that investment. Well, the first two stewards turned around and they multiplied their investment. They made it grow. But the third steward had a different response. And I want you to see what dictated his response. Look at Matthew 25, 24 through 25, and then 28. Then the man who had received the one talent or investment came and he said to the master, I knew that you are a hard man, and so I was what? Afraid. I had fear in my life. And so I went out and I hid your investment in the ground. I buried your investment. See, here's what belongs to you. And he handed him back the talent. And his master replied, listen to this response. You wicked and lazy servant. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents, which could be the way I would interpret that. Take what this guy didn't do with his investment And give it to the one that had the ten because he knows how to deal with his fear. He knows how to take risks. He understands what this is about. But but the one guy, notice the whole reason that he buried the investment in the ground is that he was afraid. Fear. And I think about in our lives how many times we allow that to dictate what we do or don't do because we're scared. And I want to talk about that because I think it's such a powerful thing. Now, in the Old Testament, there's a guy named Joshua. And Joshua is one of my favorite biblical characters. He's just an incredible leader. And I've learned so much about, his, uh, about and from his life. But here's the thing. I want you to imagine Joshua has been following Moses, one of the greatest leaders in history, for 40 years. And then one day, Moses dies. And guess who's in charge now? Joshua. Moses has died. Joshua's in charge. The people of Israel who have wandered around in the desert for the last 40 years, these people, 
are now at a place where they're going to cross into the promised land that God has for them. And it's going to fall to Joshua to lead them. But watch what Joshua dealt with. It's the same thing that you and I deal with. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them. No one will be able to stand against you all of the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now listen to this. I will never leave you or forsake you. And then look at verse 6. If you're not careful, you'll miss it. Be strong and courageous. Now let me ask you a question. Why do you tell someone to be strong and courageous? What do you think is going on in their minds? Fear. They don't want to be strong and courageous. God doesn't just say things. And so when he, he's looking at Joshua, now I want you to imagine Joshua's in mourning. Moses is gone. There are millions of people that now God is saying, all right, Joshua, guess what? It's promotion time. And you're going to lead these people into the promised land. And here's the deal. This is a life or death situation. And it's on him. Is there a lot to be scared of? I would think so. But what does God say to him? Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. The word in here I want you to look at and pay the most attention to in verse 6 is courageous. Circle that word in your, well, it's not in your notes. Write it down. Write down courage, courageous. And here's what the deal is with courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage doesn't mean that you're not afraid. Courage simply means doing it scared. Courage means doing it scared. The great theologian and philosopher, John Wayne, (laughs) said it this way, courage is being scared to death, pilgrim, but saddling up anyway. Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. It's not not being scared. It's getting on your horse when you are scared. General George S. Patton said it this way, courage is fear holding on one more minute. That's how courage is. And and there's a coffee mug in my office. It's my favorite coffee mug. It sits right by my desk, and it's got a picture of John Wayne on it. And on the inside of that cup, every time I take a sip, written on the inside of that cup, it says courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. I recognize that fear and what I do is something I have to deal with. But it's not just me. It's you too. And here's the deal. It's doing it scared. It's it's not shying away from the responsibilities. It's stepping up even when we are scared and facing those fears. Because when I read my Bible, guys, all through that Bible, Old and New Testament, it's people just like me and you that were willing to say yes to God and no to their fear. Because they had a lot to be scared of, just like we do. But they said yes. They said yes. So how do we overcome the fear of failure? How do we deal with this animal that wants to eat our lunch? What do we do? Well, here's number one on your notes. This is very deep theologically. You ready? You will fail. Accept it. Failure is going to happen. It's just going to happen. You've got to be okay with it. And it doesn't mean when you fail that you're a failure. It just means that failure is going to happen in life. James 3.2 says this, We all stumble in many ways. 
We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. How many of you know a perfect person? Anybody? Anybody know anybody perfect? Okay. Then 100% of us fall into this category. We're going to stumble. That's the way it works, Scott. And, you know, that doesn't mean it's okay, but that does mean we need to learn to accept the fact that failure is going to happen in our life. It's going to be a part of it. But here's the thing you need to remember. Now, listen to me. Allow yourself to feel the disappointment of failure, but not disapproval. Allow yourself to feel the failure, but not disapproval. In other words, now listen, this is a big takeaway today. Failure is an event. It's never a person. Just because you fail at something doesn't mean that you are a failure. Guys, if one of you drops a pass on the field... You failed in trying to catch that pass. That doesn't mean that you're a failure. But you know what? When I watch professional sports or college sports or really any kind of sport at all, you can tell when somebody internalizes that. They mess up and they can't shake it off, the coaches say. And so they carry that failure into the next play. And then you know what failure leads to? More failure sometimes. When you begin to internalize that failure and you begin to act on it, all you're doing is thinking about what just happened and now it's dictating what you're doing and it leads to more failure and then it becomes where you begin to label yourself. Or maybe somebody told you you were. Maybe somebody said you were a loser. You're never going to amount to anything. And you believed that. And so what happened when you believe it, you begin to act on it. You begin to become that. And failure is an event. It's not a person. So, Romans 5.3 says this, We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are what? Good for us. Why? Because they help us learn to endure. When you learn, listen, when you fall down, you learn to get back up. I, I went this week to visit one of our families in the church, and they have a toddler. And the toddler's learning to walk. And, I mean, he's barely getting around, but he's getting around, right? And and it's one of those deals where his head's bigger than the rest of his body, so he gets moving forward, and he's like a freight train, right? And and all little kids are like that, and they get going, and their arms are going, and their legs are going, and you're thinking, he's going to fall, but their parents are right there. But you know what? They let him fall down. Why? Because he learns to get back up when he falls down. If all we do is wander around, and every time it looks like they're going to fall, we grab them, they don't begin to build strength and confidence. Because when they fall down, now they have to roll over and figure out how to get back up. And I think of God treating us that way. That He allows us to fail because just like this scripture says, it builds us up and it teaches us to learn to endure. It really does. You know, think about this. And I, I just, just go with me here for a second. Where is gold found? Where do you find gold? In the ground. Is it up in the air? No, gold is in the ground. So sometimes when you fall down and you fail, open your eyes because you may find some gold in there. Because that's where it is. Sometimes you have to dig deep through the pain and the things that you're dealing with, but there's gold in them there, hills. And if you'll allow and embrace that failure and learn from it, it'll become gold in your life. But you have to learn to look at things that way. You cannot insulate yourself from failure. It's going to happen. Here's the second thing I want you to understand. Failure is going to happen, first thing. Second thing is you can overcome it. You can overcome failure. 
Proverbs 24, 16 says this, For though a righteous man falls down seven times, he what? Rises again. You've heard this in our culture. It's not about falling down. It's about, I'm going to try to tell you a true horse story. Horse story, okay? When I was a kid, I grew up, you know, we did we lived in the city some, and most of the time we lived out in the country on a farm, and I grew up around agriculture. And one of my distant relatives, I called him Uncle Mike, was a PRCA roper. He's a professional, professional cowboy, um, and, and he trained horses too. And these were all professional roping horses. And uh, if you've been around a professional roping horse, they have two speeds, stop and 300 miles an hour. That's it. And, and we were out. I was 16 years old. And we went out to see Uncle Mike, and uh, we called him Uncle Mike, and I was out there with him. And he said, Chris, come on and crawl up on this horse. I've been training him, and uh, I want you to ride him a little bit. Well, I used to rodeo. My brother was a roper. My dad was a roper. I rode bareback horses. They're the ones that buck, and you stay on no longer than eight seconds. I usually averaged about six. So horses and I have this kind of weird love-me-hate-me relationship, okay? So, so I was not what you would call a horseman. I knew how to ride. I mean, I was decent, but I wasn't that kind of a horseman. But I said, sure, how hard can this be? I said, what's his name, Uncle Mike? True story. He said, Chris, his name is Ballpeen. Ballpeen Hammer. I found out later why his name was Ballpeen. So anyway, I get up on Ballpeen, and there were some... There were some roping uh, steers down at the end of the uh, corral uh, in the rodeo arena. And as soon as I got on this horse, we went to 153 miles an hour from a dead stop. He saw those cows, and he did a beeline. And he was glad I was on his back because he thought that was his excuse to chase something. But I think, you know, horses are smart enough to know when somebody knows what they're doing or not. And he recognized, oh, I got this guy. Now, the reason I know we were going 153 miles an hour is because I could not scream because all of the air in my lungs was sucked out by the speed of the horse. Okay? We went flying across that as fast as I've ever been on a horse. And, guys, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not scared to admit it. I wasn't scared. I was terrified. I'd never been on an animal going that fast before. The only time I'd ever gone that fast was a jet was wrapped around me. I mean, we were moving. And I, re- I, gra- I had the reins, of course. I knew that much. And I had a hold of that saddle horn. I'm sure my finger impressions are still in that saddle horn. And I held on for dear life. Well, the cows saw us coming, and they took off running up the alley, and here we go. And the race was on. And we chased them, and I was holding on. And we circled all the way back around to the stop, to, the, to where we had started. My dad and my uncle are standing there. The horse came to a halt. I don't know how. Everything in me wanted to get off that horse. I didn't care if I fell off. I didn't care if I passed out and fell off. I didn't care if a crane pulled me off. I wanted off that horse. But you know what my dad did? He looked up at me, take him around again. True story. And he said, this time... You control the horse. Now, the reason I tell you that story is because when I think of fear and controlling fear, that is the image that comes to my mind. Because let me tell you what could have happened. Because it was obvious to everybody that I was in the wrong place. 
If I would have gotten off that horse, that would have marked me for the rest of my life. Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. And you know what happened? I rode that horse around the arena. I was in charge that time. And I learned one of the most valuable lessons about dealing with fear that day that I've ever learned in my life. You've got to learn to control it. And since that time, I've done things in my life that have scared me to death, flying airplanes and different things that, that, were scared, that scared me. But I learned to control my fear because I recognize that you cannot have faith in God without dealing in fear. It's the way it works. So here's the big thought today. When you're dealing with fear, listen to me. Listen to me, guys. It's in your notes. It doesn't matter what happens to you. It matters what happens in you. You hear me? It doesn't matter what happens to you. It matters what happens in you. How do you deal with the fear that's going to happen when you fail? How do you control it? Galatians 6, 9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. How many of us quit before we ever have a chance to see success? How many of us give up before we cross the finish line? And I learned that day that if I would have gotten off the horse, I might not even be here. And you go, well, Pastor, how do you know that's a stretch? If I can't ride a horse, how could I deal with (laughs) y'all? Amen. Some of you are more horsey than others, but I'll leave that up to you. (laughs) But the truth, I'm speaking truth. Because when fear gets in here, and I talked about it last week, guys, listen to me. This is the heart of your pastor who loves you saying this to you. When you let fear grow, it's going to take over almost every area of your life. Fear will own you. And that's not the way God works. That's not his plan for you. Jesus didn't die so that you could run around scared. He died so that you could be free. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. And he conquered, the Bible tells us, he conquered fear and death on the cross. So I can give it to him. He understands it. Here's number three. You must take faith risks. You must take faith risks. How do I know that? Look at Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. It doesn't say, and without faith, sometimes God's not pleased. It says it's impossible to please God. And and I was talking to Gabe last night. We were talking about this last evening after the event. And we were talking about how whenever Jesus dealt with somebody, and I want you guys to look at this. Next time you read the Bible, watch how Jesus would interact with people. And whenever he got ready to do a miracle in somebody's life, he always required something of them. And if you don't look, you'll miss it. He would say something like, he spoke to a man that had a withered hand. And you know what Jesus said to him? Reach out your hand. The guy's thinking, it's deformed. It's... And Jesus said, reach out your hand. Now, Jesus did 99% of the work, but he required that man to reach out in faith. That was his part. Or when Jesus healed the ten lepers, he said, okay, Your faith's made you well. Go see the priest and you'll be healed. And the Bible tells us they went. And as they were walking along to see the priest, they were healed. That was their part. 
was to go do something. Jesus would do those things, and he requires the same thing from you and I. And it's faith. It's faith. He'll do the heavy lifting, but he's going to require you to do something. And can I just tell you something from somebody that knows? He's going to pull you out of your comfort zone. He's going to ask you to do something that's hard for you. And he's doing it because just like dealing with that child or me on the horse, he wants you to face your fear because he knows it has you captured. And he knows that he needs you to step out. He'll do the work, but he's going to require you to do something. And you know what the key there is? Be obedient. Now, can I tell you something? That day on the horse, I could have got off. I could have. But I didn't. I was obedient to my dad. And you need to be obedient to our Heavenly Father. When He asks you to do something, it's for your own good. I love that song that we sang today, that He's a good, good Father. And and listen to these lyrics. I was thinking about it, and I wish I would have said something first service, but I was thinking about in that scripture, or in that song, good, good Father, it says He's perfect in all of His ways. He's perfect in all of His ways. Everything He does has a purpose, and it's perfect. So if that's true and he's a good father, and he tells me to ride the horse, it's going to be okay. Because he loves me perfectly. And it's going to help you. But you've got to be willing to do it. Listen, guys. You cannot play it safe and please God. You can't. You know, yesterday it rained. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I was wondering if anybody was going to show up. I knew y'all would, but I didn't know if anybody else would. And and I wasn't concerned about it like it was going to be this monumental failure, but I just didn't really know who was going to come. So I kind of set my expectations a little bit low, right? And they came by the hundreds yesterday. But the easy thing would have been, well, you know, it's going to rain all day. We don't want to get all of our folks out in the rain. Let's just go ahead and cancel the event. That's playing it safe. But if that would have happened, that little boy wouldn't have got his cake. I'm sorry. That bothers me. It bugs me. And sometimes when we play it safe, it impacts other people. See, there's somebody waiting on the other side of your obedience. There is somebody waiting for you to take a risk so they can be set free. And they're held in chains and you've got the key. And you're going to have to step out and unlock them. Because they're waiting on you. They're waiting on you. Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. He's done all the work. And now he's entrusting us to fulfill the mission. That's why we exist. We exist to set people free. We exist to heal the brokenhearted. That's over here. We were them. We were them. Now it's our job to set them free. That's what we're called to. And I want to be those people. I want to be those people that God, one of these days we stand before him and he goes, good job. I know it took a risk. I know you had to be courageous. I know you guys had to step out. I know you had to sacrifice. But there are people that found life because you were willing to take a risk. And we are those people. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What about you? Let's be those people.
Let's be those people that one of these days when we're all dead and gone, people look back and they thank God that we were here. The generations are changed because we were willing to face our fear. It didn't mean we didn't have it, but we saddled up anyway. And we fought the darkness and we brought Jesus' light to a community that needs it. And people's forever was changed because we were brave. That's who we're called to be. That's who we're called to be. So let's be that. You have to take risks. Here's here's what I think. The greatest fear that we face may be failure. But the greatest pain that we will face is regret. I wish I would have. The greatest fear is failure. The greatest pain that you will experience will be regret. I wish I would have said something. I wish I would have done something. I wish someone would have done something. Let's be those someones. And let's fight the darkness back and be the kingdom of heaven in this place. Because that's who we're called to be. So here's what the devil does. He tries to keep you scared. Because he wants to immobilize you. That's his plan. He wants to keep you like that, that one servant that buries their talent, that don't, doesn't do anything. Have you noticed God doesn't mess with people that don't, or God, Satan doesn't mess with people that don't do anything? The people he messes with are those that are doing something. Because we're the threat. But my Bible says greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. I'm not going to worry about what the devil's doing. I'm going to be a part of what God's doing. What about you? You got to make the decision. You got to make the decision in your own life. You cannot give someone what you do not have. Hear me. You can't give peace if it doesn't live in you. You can't give hope if it's just a dream for you. You have to give them what you own. And Jesus is offering us that opportunity. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Yesterday was ease and light, wasn't it? It was awesome to watch you guys love people. And you think you're helping a kid dig through deer corn to find a spider, but you're really just showing somebody love. That's what you're doing. You're not just cooking hot dogs. You're giving a kid that needs to eat something. You're changing hearts by just being God's people. And that's what it's about. That's why we're here. Ultimately, what makes us fearless is not the fact that we do not experience fear, but that we are confident that we can deal with the consequences of our actions. That we look at our fear and say, you know what? I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to go anyway. In other words, can I live with doing something or not? Can I live with leaving things status quo or not? That's the decision. Remember this. Sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. It's been a hard year for our football guys. 
But let me tell you what, guys. I've learned as much in defeat as I have in victory, sometimes more. Because you know what? You find out who you really are when you have to dig deep, even when you know you're going to lose. That shows your character. And your character is going to be with you the rest of your life. It's not always about winning and losing. It's about learning something and carrying that with you. Remember that. And this is the key to overcoming failure. What, ask yourself this question. What did I learn from this experience? What is God trying to teach me? When I fall down, what is God trying to teach me? How is he trying to grow me? You know, as a church, we've learned that. If we fail in a program, we look at it. We don't consider ourselves failures. We just recognize that we may be failed in this situation, but we're going to change and we're going to learn from it. doesn't mean we're failures, and it's the same for you. Charnan, if you get, I'm picking on you today. If you give a bad haircut, you don't just throw up your scissors and leave. You tell them to come back in six weeks and you'll try again. <laughs> I was reminded this morning um, as we're getting ready to start the parking ministry and we said, well, we may valet park some cars. I said, we'll sponsor that by fair auto body in case we mess up your car. <laughs> we may fail, but we'll fix it. That's what God does. He is your insurance plan. He can fix you. Step out in faith and let him do that. So here's the conclusion, guys. A couple of thoughts, and I'm going to close. My worth and your worth is not found in what I do or how much I accomplish or all the awards that I may get in my life. My true worth is found in who God says I am. I am who he says I am. And because of that, I have worth, whether I get an award or not. My worth is in him. And if Jesus thinks that I'm worth dying for and that you're worth dying for, then you must be more valuable than you could ever imagine. If he thinks you're worth dying for, Regardless of how you feel about yourself, you're worth more than you can imagine. You are invaluable. There's no price tag for you. Because God gave everything so that you could be free. And that's the truth. So here's the deal. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For our light and momentary troubles are achieving or working in us an eternal glory that far outweighs our troubles. God is working your failures out to be strengths. He is helping you become stronger so that you can reach more people. And I don't know about you, but one of the greatest things in the world is allowing God to work through my life and touch somebody else. It is my honor to stand before you. And hopefully today, some of you are impacted for eternity because of something he did in me. It's not me. It's him. And it's not you. It's him. Your worth is found in him. Amen? So, look beyond failure. Look beyond the season. Look beyond the next game. Look beyond the next job rejection. And look to success to see what God is ultimately going to do in your life. Because he has promised you 
Just like he promised Joshua, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. That's his promise to you. Like John Wade said, saddle up. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love that's over us, Lord. Father, I know this fear thing is such a big deal that we all deal with. And yet when I read my Bible, God, I can't escape the fact that that you conquered death and fear and hell and the grave and all those things. You, You conquered them so that we could be free. And Lord, as I look out at our family today here, I I just want them to be free. I want them to walk in the fullness of who you have called them to be. I want them to walk in hope. And I want them to walk in peace. I want them to cast aside some of the weights that have been plaguing them for their lives. And Lord, that they could embrace your hope. Because Lord, you came to set them free. You told us that and I believe it with all my heart. If you're here today, nobody looking around and maybe say, Pastor, I struggle with fear of failure. Fear is just eating me up. But I want to be free. I want to be free to step out in faith and take a risk. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. People's hands up for even asked. Amen. I see your hands. I see your hands. Can I tell you something? God sees your hands more importantly. He sees your hand. He sees your heart. And He wants you to be free. And He sent Jesus to do that. So here's what we're going to do. Everybody just take a moment and place your hand over your heart this morning. This is a holy moment. Let's just all pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus... You know me. You created me. You have always loved me. And you died for me. I'm asking you today, Lord, help me deal with my fear. You took it on the cross. Help me learn to trust you and be obedient to you and step out in faith. And I ask you these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, there's one thing I can tell you that I get. It's how to do stuff scared. And for those of you that find yourself on that horse and you want to get off, just don't. Do what my dad taught me and what your heavenly father wants to teach you. You ride that horse. Because the power of God lives in you. And you do not have a spirit of fear, but you have a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And that is who you are. Amen? So I'll stand this morning. I'm going to be up here for a few minutes. Somebody wants to come visit. You are a blessed people. And you are God's people. And He loves you. He loves you. And that is who you are. Amen? Father, I just thank you so much for these amazing people. And Lord, I just pray that that, Father, your freedom would get, begin to flow in their life. And, Lord, you would help them begin to face fears in their life. That, Father, they would step out in faith and trust you. And, the Lord, like Joshua, you would remind us that you will never leave us or forsake us. And I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all of God's amazing people said, 
Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you Wednesday night. Faded out of you, stole a piece of you. If I could, oh, I would be a hero. Be the one who would take all the arrows, save you from the pain, carry all the weight. But I know that you'd pray. Yeah.